Welcome to Experience This, where you'll find inspiring examples of customer experience, great stories of customer service, and tips on how to make your customers love you even more. Always upbeat and definitely entertaining, customer retention expert Joey Coleman and social media expert Dan Gingas serve as your hosts for a weekly dose of positive customer experience. So hold on to your headphones. It's time to experience this. Get ready for another episode of the Experience This Show. Join us as we discuss a coffee shop that caters to the deaf community, constructing a media stand without going crazy, and an entire state dedicated to customer experience? Signing, assembling, and governing. Oh, my. There are so many great customer experience articles to read, but who has the time? We summarize them and offer clear takeaways you can implement starting tomorrow. Enjoy this segment of CX Press, where we read the articles so you don't need to. This week's CX Press article comes to us from Rachel Siegel at the Washington Post, and it's entitled, At Starbucks' New DC Store, Employees Will Know Sign Language. So it turns out that In 2016, Starbucks opened a signing-only store in Malaysia, and they're now bringing this to the United States. The first signing store in the United States were hire 20 to 25 deaf, hard of hearing, and hearing people with one requirement, that they be proficient in American Sign Language. There's only about 200 current employees that identify as deaf or hard of hearing, according to a company representative. So this is going to be a really big deal. And they're opening this store right near Gallaudet University in DC, which is a 150-year-old institution and the world's only university designed for deaf and hard of hearing students. Now, this article was particularly interesting to me because I actually published an article last year about the deaf community and specifically about how social media has become a game changer for this community. Uh, I have one of my best friends, his brother is deaf. And when I was a kid, it was impossible for me to communicate with them without pen and paper. And now we're friends on Facebook and we communicate all the time together. And it's absolutely amazing for me. And I I believe that it is amazing for him, which is why I interviewed him for this article. So this was something that really kind of touched me and I thought was, was so cool of Starbucks to do. And it certainly got me thinking a little bit more broadly about how we make our business accessible to all types of customers. I agree with you, Dan. I think the question of accessibility is one that is often overlooked in customer experience conversations and really shouldn't be. You know, this story actually hit pretty close to home because I, as you know, I used to live in Washington, D.C. and had the pleasure of actually speaking at Gallaudet as a guest professor guest lecturer for two different classes for my uh, friend, Professor Tom, who's there. And 
what was fascinating about this experience is as a speaker, I've given a lot of speeches and I've given speeches where there's been a sign language translator translating what I say. But this was the first time I'd ever spoken to an entirely deaf audience. And I learned a lot of things that I think are kind of hinted at in the article and are instructive in the article in that if you really want to create an experience that is going to be inclusive for those who are deaf or hard of hearing, and you want it to not feel overly patronizing or like a failed attempt at trying to be accessible, you really need to think about all aspects of the business and engage people in the deaf community. One of the things I loved about the article is they mentioned that when it came time to build this store in the United States, they sent a team from Starbucks over to Malaysia, where they'd been operating a store for two years that served the deaf community so that they could kind of learn from the things that they had already figured out and translate those and bring those over to the United States. So I just, I loved this outreach effort by Starbucks and, you know, their, their placement of this by Gallaudet is, I think, going to be an incredible opportunity because if you go to any of the restaurants located near Gallaudet, uh, it's pretty fascinating because you can walk in and the restaurant might be entirely full and you won't hear the typical din and chatter of a restaurant. Instead, you just look around and everybody's signing. And so there are such things as almost like pseudo quiet restaurants in DC because they're the ones that are closest to the university and frequented by their students. And it really gets you thinking about the various parts of the customer journey at a Starbucks, for example. Starbucks is known for calling out your drink or calling out your name and your drink. Obviously, if you have a store that is right near a large deaf community, that's not going to play quite as well. And they're going to have to do it a different way, right? So this article talks about having these visual signs. But this actually got me thinking a little bit about one of the things that I had to do when I was leading digital customer experience at Discover, and that was to ensure that our website and mobile app were compliant with the American Disabilities Act. And I have to say that when I first learned about the requirements of this act, I, like many of my colleagues, sort of looked at it and were and was like, well, do we really have to do all this? But as I looked into what those requirements were and we started implementing them, I realized that they were actually making the site easier to use for everyone, not just for people who were hard of hearing or who were visually impaired or even who were physically impaired because a lot of the ADA requirements have to do with people who have trouble using a keyboard or have trouble using a mouse. And and so you try to make the site, again, accessible and available to everyone. There's a lot that I learned about different colors that are used for people that are colorblind and, you know, you know, certain colors that don't pop as well on the page and uh, font sizes and all this. And what the conclusion that I came to was that following these guidelines, like I said, made for an overall better experience. Oftentimes, the guidelines required you to drastically simplify, which of course, as we know, makes for a better experience. But that's one of the things that, that I thought of as I was reading this article is the message here is not you have to open up a restaurant just for deaf people. I think the message is there's all types of customers who are more than willing to pay you money. And you need to consider in your experience development how any type of customer might have a journey with you. Just because you have required elements of your business doesn't mean they need to be boring. 
It's time to get creative, have some fun, and make people sit up and take notice. Get your customers talking when you make the required remarkable. So Joey, have you ever built a piece of furniture from Ikea? (laughs) Why, interestingly enough, Dan, as you know, I just moved about six weeks ago, and I believe I have now obtained the honorific of Master Ikea Builder, only because I have painstakingly assembled about a dozen pieces of Ikea furniture in the last few weeks. Okay, so you're familiar with this, having achieved your Master Ikea Builder certificate. <laughs> I think there's a badge. I'm waiting for it to come in the mail that I can sew onto my backpack so when I go to school you, or something. I'm so calling you Mib from now on. <laughs> anyway, so you probably know by now that that can be a trying experience. One of the things that always stuck out to me about that experience is that there's pages and pages and pages of instructions that have zero words. Zero words. You just have to like look at the pictures and hope they're self-explanatory. Totally. In fact, usually the only word on the IKEA instructions is the name of the piece, which is usually in Swedish. So it's like high school Viking, and it has three eyes. And you're like, wait, how do you, what it was? Yeah, there's no other words. It's all pictures, but it okay. makes it and, easier for them to send them around the world. They send the same directions to every country. Exactly. And and look, this is not a knock on IKEA. It's a terrific company that, frankly, makes really great all stuff. All the furniture I, in my house. Yeah, I just <laughs> I, personally, I find it very, very difficult. And it's just, it, it's not my thing. So you're more I, of a spreadsheet guy. I'm more of a visual learner. It's yeah, okay, yeah, Dan. Okay. It's okay. So I recently did need to buy a piece of furniture and I instead went to Target and I bought uh, something from their, what I think is new Threshold brand. And it was a low profile media stand. And I know that sounds pretty exciting. Uh, What the heck is a low profile media stand? Well, I'll tell you, it's a wooden TV stand that sits about... I don't know, 30 inches off the ground, maybe. It's got two cabinets, a couple of shelves, and it's built specifically for a big screen TV to sit on. And so I buy this thing and I bring it home and I take everything out of the box and I'm like, just, I'm like getting, breaking out. (laughs) You're sweating. You're sweating already. Yeah, this is going to be horrible. Yeah, I'm not not excited at all. And I pull out the instructions and I want to read to you the first paragraph of the instructions. First of all, it had words. So that, I mean, wow, that's a, a start. Right? So it says, congratulations on your latest target purchase. Now what? Don't start sweating over this box of parts. This will be easy. We did the hard work for you. All you need to do is follow our simple instructions and you'll be on your way to transforming your room in no time. Good luck, though we're confident you won't need it. Wow, now, that's that's kind of a bold promise. I got to admit, to have the opening volley be you're about to build something. We have no idea of your building talents and yet we're confident you're not going to need help or luck. Exactly. And so I don't know if you ever uh, if you're a how I met your mother fan, but Barney Stinson used to say challenge accepted. And <laughs> yes, that was yes. basically when I read that, I was like, all right, challenge accepted. Like, I'm not looking forward to this, but if you tell me it's not going to be hard, challenge accepted. So first thing they did was completely change my attitude about the project. 
And I thought that was big because, again, I'm not a guy who looks forward to building this stuff. And I can do it, but to me, it's a pain in the neck. It's not fun. And I always make a mistake and have to back up. And I just, it's not fun for me. And so all of a sudden, one paragraph of text put me in a completely different mindset. It put a spring in your step. You were feeling a little more confident, ready to do your first Low profile media stand build. Exactly. And, you know, this is one of those things that you often refer to as making the required remarkable. This is instructions after all, right? So the the things has to come with instructions. So is there a way that we can do this in a different way that stands out? And so, so I think they did very well with that, with the introductory paragraph. But after that, it was 13 steps compared to, again, sometimes I feel like Other products are like 57 steps. So 13 (laughs) steps was certainly manageable. And the thing is, is that it was easy. And part of the reason it was easy was when they said we did the hard work for you, they were right. So for example, they already, the hinges on the cabinet doors came pre-installed. That's oh, like you mean most, you mean the, you mean the finger pinchers? Yeah, that's like the most annoying part, right? <laughs> the, the professional finger pinchers, yeah, the finger that pinchers are that are designed to create blood blisters during the assembly process. Yes, and then you go to close the cabinet, and it doesn't close correctly because you didn't put it on right, and you got to redo it. They were already installed. Nice. So that step of putting the doors on was literally just snapping them in. It was so easy. And so I did it with my 12-year-old son. It took us, I don't know, maybe a half an hour to put the thing together. It, it really was not. We never ran into any trouble. All of the instructions had words as well as pictures, so it was super easy to follow. And it was just one of those things that, you know, obviously you and I are a little geeky in this way. As soon as I was done building it, I was like, This is a segment for experience this. <laughs> Yeah, but but for me anyway, this was a, a terrific example of just taking something that could have been yeah, and probably would have been for me at least a lousy experience, a required experience and turning it into something that was remarkable and you know obviously you said at the beginning if you're going to make a promise like that, you better deliver. And that's why I went in with the attitude of challenge accepted and they did deliver. So I was pretty impressed. What I think is also great about this story is it gave you the chance to have a win in front of your son. Like, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, anything involving directions or assembly uh, resulted in three outcomes. Number one, an incredible amount of cursing. <laughs> Number, <laughs> by, by you or your or your dad or mom or as I got older, I got I was allowed to be involved. Uh, my dad would usually lead the charge, and then as I got a little older, I could add in. Right. Number two, something that I learned from my paternal grandfather: nothing is designed as well as he could have designed it, and there should always be extra parts. They send you extra parts. The reality is they send you exactly the parts you need, but he always liked it if there were extra parts. So he would skip steps so that there would be extra parts and then the item would fall apart later. And number three, it pretty much left everyone with a feeling that it would have been better had we not even attempted this endeavor. (laughs) Uh, there wasn't there wasn't the satisfaction of woohoo finished product. It was like a lopsided low profile media stand <laughs> that with much cursing. The TV was finally thrown on and just we'll deal with it going forward. So now, I love that you had a good bonding experience with your son. That's awesome. 
Yeah, it was. And and we both felt very accomplished when it was done. And again, it left me feeling great. And I'll tell you, the next time that I have to buy a piece of furniture that I'm going to need to build myself, you can bet I'm heading down to my local Target. Sometimes the customer experience is amazing. And sometimes we just want to cry. Get ready for the roller coaster ride in this edition of I Love It! I Can't Stand It! So, before we begin this segment, I wanted to note that it was inspired by an article, or actually a press release that I read on a very popular website called utahpolicy.com. <laughs> And by the way, what, the, what is going on in your day? The tagline what is going on in your day that you find yourself having time to read utahpolicy.com when you don't live neither in Utah nor anywhere near Utah? But wait, but wait, you got to wait for the tagline of utahpolicy.com right, right. where political junkies get their daily fix. Wow. Awesome, huh? So I don't spend time on utahpolicy.com, but I happen to be directed there by somebody on LinkedIn who shared this article because it's about customer experience. Ooh, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you paying at home, Dan just mentioned LinkedIn as opposed to Twitter. I was waiting for the, by somebody who DM'd me on Twitter. No, that was nice. I like it that you're you're branching I'm on LinkedIn too. Check it out. (laughs) Anyway, if we could get to the point, the state of Utah, Joey, the entire state launched a statewide customer experience program to better serve its citizens. Oh my gosh, every state in the country needs to do this. Yeah, no kidding. Right now, right why? now. every single state. <laughs> so Folks, go to, move to Utah. Go to go Utah. To Utah Policy.com and Utah. read all about it. Anyway, I thought this was really cool. They did it in conjunction with a company called Qualtrics to better measure their the various parts of the experience and the journey. And anyway, I thought this was an awesome idea, an entire state, and it got me thinking about the things that we love and can't stand. About dealing with the government. Yeah, maybe. Nice, nice. See, folks, you thought it was a CX Press story, but no, it turned into a love it, can't stand it episode. All right, good, good. I like it. Now, we're going to do this slightly differently than we did last year. Today, what we're going to do is we're just going to name a government agency that we love and why we love it and what it's done well and a government agency that we can't stand and why it has gotten itself into that category because of what it hasn't done well. So, Joey, why don't you start us off with one government agency that you love? Well, this is probably going to come as no surprise to our loyal listeners, but the government agency I believe that I have the most interaction with is probably TSA. And while there are certainly things about TSA that I can't stand, I do love the fact that it allows me to accelerate through the security process when getting on an airplane. For those of you that aren't familiar, TSA obviously manages all the security at our airports. They come along with a program called PreCheck after 9-11 when the lines at security were miles long and people were missing their flights like crazy. They come along with this thing called PreCheck where you can pay some money, sign in to opt in to go through security faster. And nowhere does this experience ring more true than traveling in the summer 
when tons of people are on vacation who don't fly regularly and aren't as familiar with TSA's, frankly, ever-changing and a little bit silly rules of take off your shoes. Just kidding. You don't need to take off your shoes. Wait, take off your belt. No kidding. You can keep your belt on. And all the things that are changing, this allows folks who spend more time on airplanes to move through security much faster. So TSA has saved me from missing many and many a flight courtesy of their pre-check program. And I will say to the listeners, if you fly even as much as two or three times a year, the $85 is so worth it. 100%. You can bring your kids along as well for free. So that is uh, an Yes. So if you have children, and it's quick, it's quick and easy to sign up for. And uh, it just makes life easier and it automatically gets in there. Definitely worth checking out. Big fans of PreCheck. All right. So I chose another government agency that isn't always popular. But interestingly about both of these agencies is they're both, they are the two government agencies that are active on social media responding to customers. Yes, there are two government agencies that are doing that. One is the TSA, which I featured in my last podcast, Focus on Customer Service. And the other is the United States Postal Service. Now, nobody really likes going to the post office, which is why I've been impressed with what USPS has done in terms of shipping packages from home. So I sell a lot of stuff on eBay, or sometimes I'm shipping out, you know, my books to people who order them on the website. Hint, hint. And I don't <laughs> Did you want like that to subtle go. Plug, folks? <laughs> Check out Dan Gingus's book available on Amazon or his website. So I don't like to go to the post office to mail stuff, and shipping online is super easy. There are some hiccups like you can't use certain services like media mail, but whether you're shipping or even buying stamps online where you can see the entire selection. Last time I was in the post office, they were out of the stamps that I wanted. So I actually think that that they have done a nice job here. Now, that said, I'd like to see the, the Postal Service compete a little bit better against some of the other shipping companies because they have this huge competitive advantage of local post offices. And I don't think that they're taking enough advantage of that. But I put them in the love column because the number of times that I have been spared a trip to the post office is now in the hundreds because I have printed postage at home and I enjoy it thoroughly. Nice. On the flip side, let's jump to what we can't stand. And I am going to start with my county's real estate taxing authority. Oh, yes, folks, you heard it. He said taxing. Oh, so it kinda- it's, it's kind of ironic, right? That that word means two things. It means collecting money from your government for your property in this case, or it means an experience that wears you down and beats you down is taxing. Yes, it definitely is soul. taxing. So, <laughs> kind yeah. of funny how that works. Now, property taxes where I live are among the highest in the country. And it, what seems like such a sham to me is that you hear about your taxes in two steps. You first get a note from the county assessor that says, here's the assessed value of your home this year. And then, then you get your actual tax bill of, and this is how we calculated your taxes. And almost every year, at least in the last few years, it's been the same story. The value of my home has gone down because the real estate in Illinois has not been great and the value has gone down. But then what happens is they, when, when the tax bill comes, they have this little thing 
called a multiplier. And as far as I can mm. understand what the multiplier is there for, it only has one purpose. It is to take that lower assessed value and bump it back up to what it used to be so you that sir your are taxes correct. can be the same or higher as last year. Dan Gingas, ladies and gentlemen, has dissected the inner workings of property tax nationwide. Yes, indeed, that is what the multiplier is there for. Yeah, so that gets a can't stand. How about you? You know, I'm going to continue this trend and speak about taxes in general, whether those are state taxes or federal taxes. I don't want this to be an overly political issue because we don't really cover politics on Experience This, even though we're in an election year, get out there and vote people. But it's too hard to complete your tax forms. And I say this not from a place of ego. I spent three years in law school. I took courses on tax law when I was in law school. And I want nothing to do with filling out tax forms. Like they're, they're incredibly complicated. And I, and again, not from a place of ego, but like I've studied what the different lines mean and what they're there for. And I still find it incredibly overwhelming to the point where I'm thinking, what if you haven't studied taxes and you're trying to do the taxes? This is a pretty complicated process and it doesn't need to be. Yeah. I often find myself asking, you know, thinking to myself, like I'm a fairly smart person, I feel. And if it's this hard for me, I wonder what the not so smart people think when they have to try yeah, to do it, right? Yeah, it's like and, 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 it's, I empathize, and I empathize. It's just like, oh my gosh, I am blurry-eyed and cross-eyed trying to figure this out. And I kind of have a background in this stuff. What if you didn't have a background in this stuff? Well, and Joey, I, like I, I actually didn't realize I was going to talk about this, but I used to volunteer at an organization that prepared taxes for low-income families. And you'd come and they could come on a Saturday and spend whatever it took, 15 minutes, half an hour, and we would fill out their tax forms for them. And they're very simple tax forms, unfortunately, because usually it had like one job and no deductions. And basically, the idea was to try to find them the deductions and the tax breaks that they were eligible for. And it was unbelievable. First of all, just the look in people's eyes when you told them, you know, hey, I just found you $1,000, which is like winning the lottery. But it was also amazing to me how the people for whom these tax breaks were created had no idea they were there because no it's idea. just so complicated. And so, you know, I'm a, a TurboTax user. I've done my own taxes forever. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and guess of that course you, you are, are. Not, right? Of course you are. I, I am yeah. not a TurboTax <laughs> user. I am not at all surprised that you are a TurboTax user, my friend. And but I'm no, not I at all surprised that user. you probably have never done your taxes. Uh, but I, I have think- used an accountant to do my taxes. Uh, I have not done them personally, but I will happily pay experts in tax to do my taxes. Well, so to me, the question is, should we really have to pay someone or pay for software in order to do our taxes. I mean, that is the very definition of a poor customer experience. So it's a completely messed up system that frankly rewards the people who can find the most loopholes. So we want to know what kinds of experiences have you had with government agencies? Because we want to feature you on a future episode of the Experience This Show. How can you share that with us? Well, many ways. First, you can go to our website at experiencethisshow.com. 
scroll down to our little SpeakPipe widget and leave us an audio message. We love that. You can also tweet at me. I, I'd just actually not tweet at Joey if I were you. I'd go straight Yeah, it's me. just probably better, That's folks. It. I love you all dearly, but even when Dan tweets at me, he then later sends me a text message and is like, did you see I tweeted at you? And I'm like, yeah, I did, but I, I don't really do the Twitter. Sorry. Yeah. So tweet at me, D Gingus. That's D G I N G I S S. You can also visit either of our websites. Those are easy dangingus.com or joeycoleman.com and send us a message there. But we want to hear from you experiences that you have had with government agencies, something that you love or, Joey, that you can't stand. We've talked. You've listened. Now it's time to act. There are many things you could do to take what you've learned in this episode and implement it. But at times, that can feel overwhelming. Instead, why not just focus on three takeaways? Takeaway number one, does your company make it easy for everyone to do business with you? Starbucks created an entire store to cater to the deaf community. Have you considered how someone who is hearing or vision impaired can use your product or service? What about people with mental or physical disabilities? Taking into consideration the needs of all of your customers is a great way to expand the number of customers that want to do business with you. Takeaway number two, does the very first interaction that you have with a customer set the emotional tone for the rest of the experience? Target took what could be a difficult project, building that low-profile media stand, and made it simple and fun. Is there something similar in your business? Maybe it's the welcome letter, or the user manual, or even legal disclosures, or the first email. Anything that's in writing, or any communication that can be made fun and welcoming and set the emotional tone, allows you to build on that foundation as the customer continues to experience your product or service. Takeaway number three, how does your business learn from what makes other organizations work or not work? We gave some examples from government agencies, and we explained what we love and can't stand about each of them. Ask yourself what you can apply to your business every time you eliminate a customer pain point or add a remarkable experience to your customer's journey. You create more loyal customers and also more vocal ones. These are the ones who will tell their friends and family about you, share their experience on social media, and bring you even more customers. Those are the three takeaways for this episode. Hopefully you can use them to make the experience your customers and prospects have with your business even more remarkable. And speaking of takeaways, we would love it if you would take away this request from us. Would you mind taking a moment to leave a review for the experience this show on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts? It really, really helps us because that's how other people find us and listen to the experience of this show. We want more listeners like you, and we appreciate when you tell others to check out our show. Thanks very much, and we'll see you next week. Wow! Thanks for joining us for another episode of Experience This! We know there are tons of podcasts to listen to, magazines and books to read, reality TV to watch... We don't take for granted that you've decided to spend some quality time listening to the two of us. We hope you enjoyed our discussions, and if you do, we'd love to hear about it. 
come on over to experiencethisshow.com and let us know what segments you enjoyed, what new segments you'd like to hear. This show is all about experience, and we want you to be part of the Experience This Show. Thanks again for your time, and we'll see you next week for more Experience This.